Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks America Podcast on this episode, I have Ken Blaisdell with the Operation Reboot. Uh, what's going on right now? He's got uh, right now the bear season started. On. We're gonna, what we're going to be talking about today is that he's going to be breaking down a lot of different inspirations of his life, where he went from the military, how he got involved with Operation Reboot, and going from there. And I'm really excited to hear the story. Had some setbacks, and then it's just that then he found his uh, his true calling, his true passion. Ken, why don't you start us off with a little background of where you grew up from, like some of your uh, outdoor passions, like. What did you skip in high school to, to, to enjoy the outdoors? Like the first two years I did football and track and stuff like that. But once I noticed like Friday, come Friday night during football season, you don't yeah. get 10, 11 o'clock at night. And come Saturday mornings, hunting season, you got to weigh out your balance. And that was family time. I was always out there hunting with family. Spent the first couple of years of high school doing football, and then it's like, well, then I just you just said like I'm just gonna stick with hunting and fish, then correct? Yes. Were you a gun hunter or a bow hunter through this transition? Oh, oh, you did everything. You tried to yes. be out in the, the woods as much as possible. Now, where'd yes. you grow up at? I grew up in a small town called Livermore Falls, Maine. Nice. So then you had what? Probably what a thousand people in the town. In the town, probably. There's quite a bit, but we live in a small town outside That's... of the big cities, so. That's I got you then because you were giving your story. I was reading through. You went straight from high school right in the military life. So what inspired no. you to become and go and join the military? Um, what inspired me because my stepdad at the time he was a hundred percent disabled veteran. So I was raised like I was in the military, and I got growing up. I had free college and all that. And okay. then I tried college, but I didn't feel right having it just handed to me. It was something that you felt that you didn't earn it. Yes. And I wanted to earn it for myself, so I ended up going down to recruiters. I originally wasn't going to try to enlist in the Navy, but that okay. recruiter was horrible, so I got done that time and went right next door and enlisted in the Army. I signed up for Aviation Operations Specialist So what for my is, job. So what, what does that entail? I was in a medevac unit, so I when uh, someone got hurt, I launched like nine lines to get the crews and medics out there on the helicopters to get the wounded. But I also got to help out the medics on the missions here and there. Okay, so you just you you coordinated everything to make sure that yeah. the helicopter was prepped to head out to wherever you're gonna go. And you said you joined the military when? Twenty thirteen. 2013. Okay, so you're still a young, fairly young, uh, young kid. Young. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And you, where did you get? You said you got start stationed in Alaska, correct? Alaska, Fort Wayne, Alaska, the, one of the best states ever. Oh yeah. So what did you? So how did you manage to get that duty? And uh, AIT, when we had to put down like the stations we wanted, yeah, the duty stations, they told us to put like one, like three of in state and three out of state, and I okay. just put. Fort Wayne in Alaska, Fort Wayne in Alaska, Fort Wayne in Alaska. So it's pretty easy for them. It's like, all right, he's gone. He's gone. So yes, it's like, it helped, lucky. that helps out. So that's fantastic. So then now what did you get to experience while you were out there? The outdoors, like from uh, one, you had an instructor, like, instructor 
life, but out on the free time, like during the summer, it's daylight twenty four seven. Yeah. Uh, so even even when you work late, you get out. It's nice, and you have that brotherhood and everything. And everyone up there is usually hot and efficient, so you, you always have something to do. I got you. So can you give us some stories that to? Uh, I want, I'm curious about like what was your favorite fishing story? Uh, one of my favorite fishing story was just regular ice fishing for trout, just going out there in random spots and learning the new areas and just catching them. Now, how long were you stationed up there? I was stationed up there for about two and a half years. Okay, so you got some. You have some stories then to tell. So yeah, were were you able to go out and get any uh, hunting done while you're out there for those two years? Yes, um, I actually. You know the show Ice Road Truckers? Yeah. I don't know. I've been up on that road up there. I'm kidding. So, I'll archery hunting for caribou. Very cool. So, so do you happen to capitalize on a couple of caribou yes. there? Yes. You, were you able to go out and get a moose or any bear in no. that? No. No, I wasn't. But it was just still having the experience. Just being there was my dream. Did you ever get to do any backpacking the Brooks Range or anything else? Um, I I went to the. Do you know the Call of the Wild, the bus from the yeah. book? Yeah, yeah. Bus. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, that, so is, that was an experience. Yeah, because it's like I remember when that movie came out back in two thousand and seven. It's like doing the whole kind of walkabout thing throughout West Coast there through Arizona, New Mexico, and such, and. When I got back into civilization, that movie had came out and watched it. Like, it was the exact same kind of what I was going through, like a, a spiritual growth, like figuring out where you wanted to go. But luckily for me, I didn't have a tragic ending. But uh, that's pretty interesting. Now, did you ever make your way up to the Bering Strait? Um, I went all the way up north, like okay. eight hours north of Fairbanks, where there's no service, nothing. Basically up to the North Pole. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's, 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 that's pretty cool. You can see, you know, do, did you, were you able to capture a lot of pictures? Yes. I have a bunch actually captured just the scenery alone. Oh, but man. going up during the winter time, though, it's cold when you sleep in negative, when it's negative 30 out and you're sleeping in a truck. Yeah, there's no surviving that. It's like unless you're pretty much setting atop the engine. Then, so then after you were stationed there for two and a half years, and then you then you got uh, called to go out to Afghanistan? Yes. Um, when I first got there and everything, uh, I was told, uh, don't worry about learning your job your job fully right now. Fill out these paperwork to go to Afghanistan. So in 2014, I went to Afghanistan. Uh, how long were you over there then? Nine months. Nine months. Oh, that was a short tour. I loved. Oh, well, that's what they usually are now. Okay. Is nine months every like two years in a medevac unit. So that makes it this way. You're you're easy in, easy out. This way, you're not feeling stressed out or something like that. Do you know? Did you have a chance to get any fish again over there? No. No. It was. I worked between 12 hours to 24 hours. When I wasn't working, I was either sleeping or working out. Nothing I, else. I got you. That's understandable. I have a buddy of mine that was served over there in uh, 2003 to 2006, 2007. And so he actually managed to chip away some time to go fishing inside in some of uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, oh, wow. palace. Fishing, pulling rod, just going to go out there and go fishing. It's like he just did it for S and G's. He's like, he wasn't expecting to do anything, but besides uh, being an MP and yeah. such. Now you were over there. And you came back overseas, and where'd you? Once you came back from um, Afghanistan, what did you? Ha what happened after that? Uh, when I first, shortly after I got back from Afghanistan, like the beginning of 2015, okay. I was in a sledding accident. Then followed by that, like a month or two later, I was in a car accident. I read about the sledding accident. So what happened to the sledding accident that caused things to go? Um, it's gonna sound funny. People, when I say sledding accident, people think of snowmobiles. It was actually a sausage sled. I was at a designated hill with my old sergeant and his family, and they were going down, so I figured I'd go. 
Well, there was a jump we didn't know about, and I found it. And I ended up hitting trees, rocks, ice. Ooh, ouch. Right into everything. Man, that's – so then now did you do – did you have a concussion? Did you end up with any broken bones? I had broken bones in my feet, and I started uh, – my back was messed up. Everything slowly started to progress. Like, I started out from, like, I woke, once just after it all happened, that one, I slow, I woke up one morning, and it just, every morning, I slowly just started causing more pain, more pain, more pain. And it got to the point where I ended up in a wheelchair. So then, so when you impact with your feet, so you, you must have hit right, like, your feet must have landed right on top of the rocks. The yeah, impact I, went all into your heels. It got to the point where my feet were folded inwards, and I could not unfold them. Oh, yes. man. My Jeez. feet were folded inwards. Jesus, so you must have a lot of uh, damaged uh, t- ligaments and stuff like that in your ankles and such. Man, that's insane. Yes. That is insane. So then, no, that's that's pretty traumatic in itself. And then you said you got in a car accident. So what happened with the car accident scenario? Yes. Um, it was during wintertime in Alaska, and we were at a red light. And another per coming at us, a truck didn't slow down in time, and he went and swerved to miss an older lady and came right into us. Oh, or head no. on right into us. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So then, so what was the end result? What happened to you throughout that accident? Then, did you get thrown in, thrown in the uh, front seat or back seat or get ejected? I got tossed around a little bit in the front seat, and that's about it. But that's when I really caused problems in my back, nerve damage, and stuff like that. I can see that creating some, oh, man. That's I can see just being riddled throughout pain here after the car accident. Then, and so. Did you, what so break what happened after that the next like three to nine months after that whole process basically it got to the point where my i after like six months i was told i was getting med boarded out of the military okay i uh, met for medical reasons and from there it's like my unit slowly kind of be kind of they took me out of my flight ops job okay they moved me into a supply job then they kind of just pushed me off to the side and uh just told me to basically stay in my room the whole time the rest of the time i was there like my friends were ditching me, they were leaving me everywhere, all that. So I, they kind of like slowly turned the back on me. Okay, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I mean, we've all we've all had gone through some type of inv- of abandonment from our so-called we thought friends, but we just can now you just can you realize now years past they're just acquaintances and that's how they all are. Now, when I was reading through your story here, you're talking like your feet became kind of useless. Is that yes. so, so? Like what ended up happening? Did you end up like they just Stop the knees just stop functioning the hips like break that down to us because like your story you get a good um, idea what's going on but basically to the point where i couldn't fold my feet out i was basically dragging my feet i could not walk i couldn't put pressure on them my bones kept on re-breaking and in my feet i could feel them re-breaking um my legs start my bones in my legs started to bow outwards to reshape wow, and i was just struggling to get around in daily life like it got to the point when i had when I got, when I went, they ended up getting me and tried to get me into rehab and they put me on, they put what's called bionist on my uh, calves. Oh. And anytime my leg moved, they would just shock my muscles to try, try to stimulate my muscles. Well, that ended up working for a little bit, but it just right back and just slowly started to get worse again. And it just started causing more pain than what it was worth. Mm, bummer, man. Because it's like you said, you met a couple of good doctors, but I, I can understand the being passed around process of the whole VA because I worked with I work with vets with the, mm-hmm. the company. I work with vets with my company I'm currently working with right now, and they, uh, I hear this, they hear the story more more often than you than I'd hope to hear, but it's just part of the beast. You mean uh, guinea pig? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can say I can see you can say that. <laughs> uh, so, how long did it take before your 
eventually uh, reti- when, they, when they medically discharged you? Uh, 2016, I was medically retired and okay. headed back home. Fair enough. And then you went back. You went back to Maine, correct? Yes, I went back to Maine. Um, I I moved in with my mom and her boyfriend. If it wasn't for them, I would have been homeless. Yeah. So. And you, you can't be homeless in Maine because it's just way too much snow. Yes. Uh, so that's the thing. So. Let's think about North Country. It's like we don't have a homeless problem except for the summertime. So, now when you got home, what was life like before you found Reboot? Um, in and out of the mental ward, hospital for health reasons, very suicidal. Um, very depressed. There was times where I wouldn't get out of my bed for days. My mom would bring me my meals. Um, I wouldn't leave my room. I wouldn't go outside. Nothing. I was isolated from the world. Like finding only place I was really going was the VA. Other than that, and and it was the same thing. They would pass me off to different doctors here. Try this. If it works, good. If not, we're done here. I can understand that. I have some friends of mine that said they're now since retired back from the early 2000s, and a lot of them all moved south. They moved either to Texas, Arizona, California, someplace where the constant sun sunshine because they, 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 a lot of them returned home from Minnesota, northern Iowa. And what ended up happening is that with, like they, they would have these really nice peaks in the summertime, but the wintertime would come, it just would just bring them straight down. So they had to, they figured out like they, uh, marijuana started to become more legal. They, they, that's what they, a lot of them did. They just went to where the states where they're legal at, and it, it actually reduce the amount of chemicals they're taking, but also been improving their mental health. They're getting outdoors year-round. Granted, summers suck, but you, 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 make, you, you make it work, you know, because the nice thing about yes. it in, in the Southwest, you, move, you go from AC to AC to AC, except for when you're working outside. I used to live in Arizona, so it's like that's – you eventually get used to it. But When I first came back to Maine, like, I hated Maine. I wanted to leave Maine. My goal mm-hmm. was to just get out of Maine, like – I had nothing here other than what my life was, and I wasn't enjoying it. Like, because I wasn't out hunting, I wasn't out fishing. I was basically just watching movies all day long. I couldn't drive anywhere. Yeah, my my freedom and independence was taken away. Perfectly understandable. Now it's like at least the worst part is like you experienced such an early age. It's like you were in rehab or were you in mental health when um, uh, Dan? So what ended up happening? I was in a bad place. The church I used to go to, I go to online services now. Actually, I ended up stopped going there for a while, and I was just in a horrible place. Yeah. And, like, the statuses I was posting on Facebook, I was going downhill. Like, mm-hmm. I'll stress this enough. If it wasn't for Operation Reboot, I would have been one of the 22. Like, I was to that point. Then my church actually reached out personally to Dan Wade and said, Hey, look, we know this veteran. He's having trouble. We think something's going to happen to him, all that. And Dan said, okay, let me reach out to him. And that's when he reached out to me. And we started talking back and forth. That's that's courageous. That was was my initial. Then once I learned about him, we talked a little bit. I'd follow face. I'd follow reboot on Facebook. And then the the bear hunt came up, the drawing for the bear hunt. And and I messaged them just on, hey, how do I get put in for this bear hunt? Okay. They said, it's done. You're put in. And I ended up getting drawn for that. And Dan... Out of all the people there, I was bugging Dan every day before the bear, like the week before the bear hunt. Hey, okay. what do I need? What do I need to do? And all that. And then he was hearing from me every day. Then all of a sudden, I went dead quiet. He wasn't hearing from me or nothing. I ended up having health issues. I ended up in the hospital. So I ended up fighting to get out of the hospital. And the day before the bear hunt, I called and said, hey, I'm still coming. I'm not ghosting you. This is what happened. And I ended up showing up next day. That, um, then the, 
best thing about this organization, they open their personal home to where the veterans stay. The moment I pulled in that driveway, even their kids greeted me like they knew me, like family and everything. It was that connection right away. That's awesome, man. What kind of questions were you asking, Dan, to get yourself in the mindset for hunting for a bear? Like what what I needed to bring, what to look what to basically like look forward to, what's gonna be happening each day and all that. Trying to know all the details of like each day, like try to figure everything out so I know what to pack, what to bring, what to do. Dan got it to a point like there's times where he would like anytime we're now hunting, he would pick me up on his shoulder, throw me in his truck, help me out of my out of his truck. He would literally carry me to the bait sites and sit me in a chair and everything. He'd sit with me every night, day one. Like anything I needed, he was there. Anything reboot, really anyone, I didn't even know them. They were there for me. Like I started to get that brotherhood, sisterhood back that I lost from the military lifestyle. And mm-hmm. I started to find that there's more to it. The, the brotherhood's still there outside the military. When you got drawn for the bear hunt, how many days was that? How many days was the hunt? A week long. Oh, so five days or seven days? One week days? long. Oh, so seven days? Yeah, seven days. Okay. We'd show up there on a Sunday, then we're going to leave the Sunday. Well, I didn't get a bear, but that was okay. Like, to me, it wasn't about that. It brought life to me just being able to get back out into that woods, being able to be back out in nature and be like, wow, I'm, I can still do this stuff with my brothers and sisters that I served with and bring that lifestyle back. That's fantastic. And so then, so after that uh, week-long experience and working with Dan, it's like you, you mentioned that you went to Mexico. Why don't you tell the audience, like, what happened to, to take you down to Mexico? Like, explain to us what was going on with the VA because I read a story the, the readers, the listeners haven't yet. I was basically getting passed from doctor to doctor. They were trying everything here and there, and I wasn't getting away. I was just going backwards. Well, Reboot actually ended up telling me, hey, we know this person that went down to Mexico, had the surgery done, came back, and lived in a great life. And she was also another veteran. Okay. And the moment I found that out, I didn't. I could have done GoFundMe. I could have fundraised for the raise the money and stuff. I said, nope. I ended up opening a GoFundMe for Operation Reboot so more vets could be taken out. Okay. And I ended up taking out a personal loan to pay for my surgery because I didn't want to take from anyone. Okay. And the surgery was for what? And I, uh, amputation below the knee. Okay. And so then of what? Both legs. And so then you went down to Mexico and you went yes. down there for, how long were you? I was only right? down there for a week. And then people the, thought I was crazy. Look, cap, the hospital was well maintained. Like they had me staying in a five star suite hotel, everything uh, better than most of the hotels around here in Maine. What year was this when you got the, the amputation? Uh, back in May. This this May. Yes. Uh, oh wow! I because like I th- I thought that was like twenty like seven twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, but wow, really just so recent. No. Like I was originally supposed to have it done in April. Okay. And but the cr- coronavirus happened. Dan was supposed to go down with me to help me. Okay. And well, I got the I got the phone call from the hospital say, hey, we can reschedule. You can come back down. Okay. I was like, when's the next variable day that I can come down? And they told me May 23rd I could have the surgery. Well, Dan wasn't able to go until basically until next April. I looked at Dan and said, I understand you want to go with me and stuff, but it's to that point where I need to go. I can't wait. I want to get this done over with, get back, heal, 
and get on with my life. No, like when I got back from Mexico, I recovered at Operation Re- Reboot's house. I okay. had physical therapy there, everything. I, I was living there. Well, that's nice of Dan to open up his home to, to light or to go through rehabilitation, stuff like that. And then, so now you got a prosthetics, didn't you, from the VA? Yes. Oh, okay. I got two prosthetics. That's fantastic. That's, that's um, huge. So- the Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape, and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger, uh, scope ring, which helps with peep alignment, as well as a built-in scope level, which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations, as well as a dovetail or tournament edition, uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Yeah, um, everyone's been telling me that I'm one of the fastest W amputees they know to walk. Literally, the next day I got my prosthetics, I was walking without no devices. It wasn't far and it wasn't the best, but I did it. Man, that's excellent. So then. The story is basically from bear season. They, his wife, Nicole, fed me once and haven't been able to get rid of me. They basically <laughs> call me the adopted son. That's awesome, though. But it gives you the nice best part is it gives you purpose, and it's like that's that's what um, God's put you in, in, into their place. And it's like, and it wasn't for Dan's open hand, open heart to bring you into his family to really. So, what are things that you've been able to do now since you've uh, have uh, prosthetics now? I'm driving. I'm hunting. I'm fishing. I have my own bait site now for bear season. Um, I'm over there. I'm always helping out veterans. Um, like this week, I'm actually staying at Dan's to keep the veterans entertained help them out and all that. Like, I'm doing more for the veterans. Like, and you know, you know who Randy Couture is, right? Yes, I do. The UFC I was, fighter. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, um, I ended up getting a check in the mail from him and his organization for, for medical bills. Mm-hmm. And to me, it wasn't about the money. What really spoke to me is we got this famous person in that he heard about my story and was inspired by me. That's what meant the most to me. It's like... Wow, my story is actually infecting, helping more people than I realize, and more people are knowing about it without me even realizing. And that's what makes my heart and makes my day. Like, 
yes, I, I've gone hunting with, I got an idea with the reboot. I got two turkeys re- reboot, but I'm at the point where if I shoot an animal, I'm okay with it. But if I have the opportunity to let a veteran shoot an animal over me, I will. Cause for them to live that experience, to see that smile, I want them to experience what I experienced and what brought life back into me. And biggest thing is the brotherhood and sisterhood, giving them purpose and showing them that, Hey, this is still here, even though you're out of the military. That is a valid point right there. Cause there's a lot of different groups out there. Like I, uh, I have a friend of mine, she does a downrange outdoors here in, in Iowa, uh, Chris Vega. He runs the downrange outdoors here in, in, in Iowa. And he's got, he's sets up veterans to be able to let them go out fishing and go out hunting. This is Spring plans got canceled because of the C-word, but uh, he was able to look mm-hmm. forward to this fall. And he, we were talking last night, and he's got himself in his kayak. He was sitting out where his plans are going hunting at. He saw a couple of does. I think he, I think the way it winded him he was what he was telling me last night. But he's getting excited. He's really getting excited about being able to sit down with some veterans and get him out there in the woods throughout the state of Iowa and such. So he's he's been really working hard with that, and he's working for his 501c3 process it's not an easy process to go through i know um, chris ham from hha one of the proud sponsors here for bucks of america podcast he says it's 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 a timely thing to go through all the process to get everything done and what he does he does uh puts on archery shoots throughout the course of the year and he takes that money and he puts it back into the community in the community so each each shoot goes to that specific community like the last we went to was in or just two weeks ago in uh, up in Custer, Wisconsin, where we raised $11,000 and it had 109. All that money is going back into the honor flight, which is fantastic. And then this weekend, my wife and I, and I took my daughter, we went to the gun show here in town and they had the honor flight here in La Crosse. And it's like, I don't know, this this honor flight, they do a three-day event for them. So this way, it's like, it's not like ones where they fly out and they fly back. This one, they're able to fly out there, be able to kind of actually experience stuff and see other different sights and sounds. And then come back on home. So they're giving, they're raffling away a bunch of cool stuff. So it's like, well, we'll we'll pitch in twenty bucks, and if we and if we lose, no big deal. But at least we're at least the money is going to a good cause. That's another thing. Like with Operation Reboot, all the hunting, fishing trips we offer and stuff, everything's free from to the veteran. Like no charge to them. Um, they stay out of Dan's home, personal home down in the basement. We turned it into a bear cave, um, and no one gets paid. It's mm-hmm. all volunteers. And, all the money we raise goes straight right back in the organization to now, better it for the vet. Which is which is the best thing to do. Now, last week you told me some really good news that they were able to make a big purchase. You want to tell the audience what they what happened? Uh, we were able to make the money. Uh, we raised the money to purchase a 55-acre land in Canada where Dan grew up hunting and stuff, and we knew the ground, and we were able to raise that money, and we're hoping – at the middle of September to have it closed and have it over to the organization. There's three cabins on there. We're going to fix them up and we're just going to slow, slowly make it everything like handicap accessible, all that. Do a little bit at a time. That is just fantastic news. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for you guys that the, the blessings are coming. And it's like it's just all this little small, small decisions that they've made. And do you know how or why Dan do all this for, for veterans? Um, he's a veteran himself. So he went through the whole game and stuff. I'm not going to go into his far back his story because I know he's still going to try to get on here with you. But it was basically started out when he got hurt. He started taking – he would take veterans out here and there without – before Rebu started. And he would get enjoyment out of that. And it got to the point where his wife told him he need 
to make this a 501c3 or they're going to go bankrupt. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it's probably a smart thing, but I'm, I'm glad I got inspired to do that because it's, it's, it's so much fun being able to bring people out from the hospital or whatever they're doing and get them out there and get out there and go fishing. Uh, one of my sponsors down there in Florida, he started a program, Bass Patrol Nation, was to, to get other volunteers to, to get firefighters, veterans, EMS, police officers that suffer from PTSD or just are stressed out or whatever. And they, we wanted to create this big nationwide program so this way then everybody could start their own 501c3 but work underneath this one umbrella and be able to get mm -hmm. people out there to go fishing. And he's a huge bass fisherman. His name's John Avalos. I mean, he's just a great guy. He's, he's been uh, fished in several major tournaments. He's been a top contender. He knows his, his stuff. I've got a chance to go fishing with him a couple of times, and I thought, and he's just a, a real nice guy. He's been on the podcast once, and he's just going through. He's just, like with everything with the c word going on, things have kind of slowed down for everybody. But it's like he's slowly getting that momentum back again and rebuilding his team, and I, it's going to come back even stronger, I believe. Well, that's what we plan on doing. We're doing what we can, plus some, and call and getting it done one way or another. Whether there's times where we chip in our own money. To pull the trips off, whatever. So it was like, they won't, won't be like, hey, this is a donation for Rebo, so they have to take it, so they can't say no. I got and you. Everything. We sell merchandise, do all that. Um, and it's basically all word of mouth. Like, basically, every, all state of Maine knows about us. Like, there's people that message me that are from other states that I don't even know that say that I inspire them that they follow my story, that they wish they could meet me one day, to keep up the good work. And to me, that's what the true true meaning is. That's what's special to me. It's not about any of them. I don't. I do all volunteer work. It's about getting other veterans out, inspiring people, showing them that you can still do stuff. You and it ain't. Uh, it sh you shouldn't be ashamed on asking for help. I was just saying, as when I was reading your letter, right. it's like it's it's difficult to ask for help because we're not. We're not um, programmed for, as as males. We're not really programmed to or really raised to ask for help. We figure out our own, or we fail and we keep trying, or we just quit. It's difficult to do so because it's like our pride gets in the way. And in, in with you being uh, military, it's even tougher from that because it's like you're taught to be self-sufficient soldier, be army of one type scenario, and being able to break out of that shell and asking for people to help and like encouraging people to help. So like a hung a closed mouth goes on fed it's like you gotta just reach out there and it's like i like to reach out to like during this whole this whole uh c word situation here i've been reaching out to people i normally haven't talked to in like a year or so or two and ask them like how are you doing mentally like you're getting out and doing stuff like just trying to get them to like let them, let them know that people still care about them you know because um so it's, it's it's something that would really save somebody's day you know uh chris ham was telling about a story where a simple conversation changed the whole man's life and that's what happened to you. Dan reached out to you and changed your whole entire perspective. What are so since you've got your legs back, and it's only been a short period of time, what are some of the next things you want to accomplish in the next, like after hunting season? Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. 
still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free solid containment 100% deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for VIP this year my ultimate goal is to fit because I'm not fully healed my knobs are still shrinking so once that happens I'll get fitted for other attachments but my okay. ultimate goal is to eventually move back out on my own and get more independence back. But I'm also, I also like, I have my own boat. I have like my four wheelers, snowmobile and stuff like that. Where Reboot, the guides and stuff, the other veterans are stepping up to teach me all their tricks and secrets. Cause I want to, I want to take out more veterans. I want to show them like, help lower the 22. Cause that's what it did for me. That's, that's an admirable goal right there. And it's like a nice thing. It's all doable. It's like everything you're doing is like you're just taking your time, staying humble, asking for help, and moving through the stages of healing. And then who knows? You'll be in, in, within a year's time, you could have a, a girlfriend. And then in a couple of years' time, you have a, a wife. You know, it's like you, the possibility is endless. You just, you just got to maintain that, that humility and, and always be, be kind. You know, always open, treat everybody with an uh, open heart. It's like, what's the word that I like to say? It's like ABC. Always be caring because it's like you don't know what that other person's went through. And it's like with your with your struggles and and how you came to be and your and your faith that brought you back to the fold and like put you back in these places with all these awesome people and your your spider web is slowly growing and the more spy, the more people you can interact the more spider webs you can inter, uh, meet up with a lot of the a lot of my sponsorships are all veteran based you know like HHA is is, mm. is very very supportive of the veteran culture uh, veteran IP is one of them it's veteran innovative products based out of Texas and all American made products veteran owned and operated. Operation Reboot has a Facebook. What other platforms can people find Operation Reboot? They're on Instagram. They just got their website, uh, operationreboot.org. They just made that website up, so that's up and going finally. But those are mainly the three things we go off of. We do have a YouTube channel that we're doing coffee talks on where we would sit down with veterans that we take out so they could tell their story. And everything, but that's been on pause just because I went through my surgery. I'm recovering, but um, we're hoping to get that back up and going. Good, yeah. It's like you're still healing. You got time. You're with all this. Just grab your camera and just start talking to veterans. And and the best advice anybody that can give you is just fuck it and do it. It just like you don't have to worry about like your your appearance or anything like that. You just you just do it, and the the people will be drawn to your content. They want to hear these these successful stories, and it's like you. I could turn. I could somebody could listen to this podcast and to, and want to reach out to you and, and appreciate your story. And that's another thing. Like my bigger than yes, I want to get my story out. But biggest backstory was about reboot because yeah, with the veterans, the broken fix the broken. That's what I've been told, and I I agree with that. And we're all we're all broken somehow. We're all come together just to help one other. Give them. Per we have veterans that gone on ice fishing trips that all that give them purpose to look for about coming back the following year that's and fantastic and fighting just for that 
That's awesome because yeah, there's 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 more, there's so many comp- companies out there that uh, do ice fishing. I myself, it's like I live in a two bedroom apartment, so I don't have the room for ice fishing. But that's that is something that I'd like to do more often because like I do mostly either fishing in a boat or fishing off the land, depending on what the, what's going on. Like right now, we're in Wisconsin. Well, it's getting nice all across the northern country here, so it's like like the fish are bite back biting again ready to get in there it's not not being hot outside and i was talking to my dad on saturday and he he's got he's developed a uh, an allergy to the sun and so it's like he's been kind mm-hmm. of taking the summers easier these these last couple of years he puts a boat away after after it starts hitting 90 degrees and then so i'm gonna be taking some time off and heading down to him and down to Iowa and get some fishing because it's like I want to take advantage of this beautiful weather because now it's like I got hunting land that's like 15 minutes away and the weather what the right now it's like we're still at like 80 degrees but we're still uh, let's see I think we're four 15 days out 16 days out from our hunting season let me double check here September when the uh, Wisconsin hunting season goes and ours goes from September mm-hmm. all well depending on what county we'll actually go as far as January 31st to go hunting, which is pretty cool because it's like there's a lot of places that have a lot of does that we need to, uh, to, to try to trim that out. The quality deer management is not what it needs to or should, should be. Some areas are experiencing between like four four to six does per buck, and like not all of them are getting bred. So it's like we need to slim that, trim that herd down so then they have a chance to all get in bred, you know. And so we'll see what happens because last winter was very mild for us because uh, mm-hmm. it's like – not a lot of snow. We had a few days, a few weeks below zero, but not like we normally have where it's like where we can where you can predict from January until February. We're looking at at least six weeks at or below zero. And last year we think we had maybe a week and a half of it. Where the year before we had two weeks solid of it, and then and then like balanced in the twenties and thirties, you know. And not not a whole lot of snow, but every year is different. So we'll find out what this year is going to be. I just don't hope we don't go through another deep deep cold like we did in uh, twenty. 14 2015 we went through let's see minneapolis went through 120 days below zero now i'm sure that's pretty oh, common wow. yeah so it's like it, it killed a lot of deer off that time during that time frame and it really put uh curved the the cwd disease do you guys even have cwd out there in maine yeah like how modern wildlife and stuff no, CWD is chronic wasting disease. It's a it's a neurological disease that um, deer. But maybe you're one of the lucky states that you guys don't I, have. I think we do have it. I'm not like I'm still learning more about hunting because growing up, I just it was like okay, we're going here. We're just gonna hope for the best. But now, like this year, I've been getting taught like a lot more behind the scenes what to act like, what to look for, what to do, and everything. But that makes sense. We do yeah. have a bunch of different diseases. I think we, we, we've hit on all the key points, and I know I'm looking forward to talking to Dan when his schedule slows down. But uh, is there anything else that you want to discuss that we haven't talked about? Because I think we hit all your key points. The biggest thing is that was my, just getting my story out because Reboot, I can't stress it enough, is they've saved my life. And just from this experience, they've saved just seeing the enjoyment in the other veterans' lives, like, this veterans that never that were trapped in the house like 15 plus years never talked to anyone and reboot open those doors for them to get back out like and it's just family it's not one and done it's you you can show up as many times as you want to hang out thank you ken for coming on board here i it's very heartwarming i'm going to introduce you to uh, when i talk to dan i'm going to introduce this to some people in my spider web and see if we they can make something happen to to encourage more vets maybe put their guys content on their platforms and go from there but dan thank you for coming on board and i'll let you go